The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about eight miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 10 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com, that's z-i-o-n-p-b-c.com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. For those of you who are regular listeners to our podcast, you know we've been looking at Colossians chapter 3 and have just finished up a series entitled Mortifying Your Members. In the first half of Colossians chapter 3, Paul has presented the Colossians with principles that apply to daily living. He has told them about things that they need to mortify and put off in their lives. And he's told them about some things that they need to put on and to let into their lives. Paul then begins to teach the Colossians about how they should interact within their own families. And this makes sense because the home is the primary place where all the principles of Christian living are put into practice every day. So join us as we begin today looking at the family by a discussion of marriage and the attacks that are constantly upon it in our world. We've entitled this series, Family Matters, because indeed, family matters in this world. We hope this series will be a help to you as you try to live life faithfully within the context of the home. We hope you'll stay tuned for the message, but first we have a song selection that we hope you enjoy. We
said earlier that I need your prayers. I really, really need your prayers this morning. Of course, I need them every time I stand here and try to preach to you. But quite frankly, in order to rightly divide and properly preach the subject that I want to preach to you, though, I can't do it myself. I need the Lord's Spirit, the Spirit of the Lord, and I need the Lord's guidance. And we need to hear the things that the Lord has for us in such a way that we understand that he is trying to help us to become better disciples every day. We've been on a series that I've entitled Mortifying Your Members, and we finished that up by beginning in chapter 3 and verse 1 down through verse 17. We concluded that series a week or two ago by covering that last verse there that's midway through chapter 3, verse 17. Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Now that's a good place to end a series, and it's also a good place to begin a new series. I want to begin a new series this morning by starting there in verse 17 as our bridge, if you will, from what's gone before to what's coming up. And this time I want us to look at family matters. The Christian home, a godly home and the way God has set forth for it to be. We'll just begin reading there in verse 17 and then come on down through verse 21. Just a few verses. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Now remember what's gone before. We have looked at some things that we need to mortify in our lives. That is to murder, to put to death. We needed to put to death the things like fornication, uncleanness, and evil concupiscence, and that sort of thing. And then it, we're told there's some things we need to put off, anger, wrath, malice, and so forth. And then there were some things we needed to put on. We needed to put on the new man, the, the things that we need to put on that pertain to the new man are, are the bowels of mercies, which is simply compassion and kindness and humbleness of mind. And we need to forbear one another and forgive one another. Even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye, he said. And then we need to let some things into our lives. We need to let the peace of God rule in our hearts. We need to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly in all wisdom. And all of that is building up to where we are today. All of that is about your discipleship, child of God. It's not about becoming a child of God. You've got to already be a child of God to be even interested in these things. But if you are a child of God, if you have been born of the Spirit, then the whole purpose of your life and my life is to become a better and better disciple every day. And that's the way we do it, by putting off and mortifying and putting on and letting some things into our lives. And the crucible, for determining or proving your discipleship. The place where your discipleship is the most important is not found out in the world. It's not found out in the workplace or even in the church, but in the home. 
in the home. You see, for an hour on Sunday morning, I can put on a pretty good front. You know, for an hour on Sunday night, I can make you think I'm a certain way. But I can't hide who I am, and I can't hide whether my discipleship is growing or not when I'm in the home. You see, that's the place where our discipleship, these mortifying members and putting on and putting off and letting things reign in our lives really appears. And God is leading us up here through the, Paul, the Apostle Paul to a few verses that get down to where we live every day. And I don't know if you noticed it or not, but the family as an institution is under attack as it never has been before in my life. It's not just the old standard negative attitudes toward marriage and family, but there's a concerted effort out there to undermine and destroy even this God-given institution. So the Lord being my helper and with your prayers and with your charity, I'm going to try to preach probably over the next several weeks on the family, on family matters, because family matters. Now, there's some preliminary things I want to, I want to say to you. And I, I, I go back to some of, if you go back and read the uh, letters that Paul wrote in the New Testament. In every letter, he starts it off saying grace and peace to you. Okay, grace and peace from God the Father. In some way, he says that. But there's three letters, First and Second Timothy and Titus, where he adds a little something in there. He says grace mercy and peace to you when he's writing to the young preacher there he says grace mercy and peace and i believe that's important for us to remember because preachers need mercy okay yeah. i need mercy as i try to preach this because one of the things that i want to point out that is no sort of the elephant in the room if you will is something we all realize is that every single one of us here has been touched in some way by family problems. Some of us here have family members that have been divorced. Some here have been divorced. Some here have children that are not on the, uh, not they're what I would call wayward children. They're not on the right path or they're, they're not in harmony with the family. Uh, there's some dis discord within the family. Some have been raised by single parents. Some are single parents. By the way, if you're a single parent today trying to raise your child in a godly manner, God be praised for you. And we need to pray for you. But here's my point. We cannot, don't go into this study, this series with the, the antenna out and with the barbs out, so to speak, expecting or looking to be offended by something the Bible or me as a preacher says to you. Now, if I'm reading it from the scripture, you cannot be offended. I recognize that I may say things sometimes that I don't intend to be offensive, that may offend you, but please, mercy, mercy. I need mercy. I need charity. Because here's the thing. Not one of us, not one of us has gotten it all right when it comes to family. We have all messed up in some way. Every person in this church, every person under the sound of my voice, whether you're listening on Zoom or you're sitting here in the pew or you hear it sometime on the podcast, every single one of us is a sinner in need of more and more saving every day. Amen. Every day. You know, I've had people look around at others. They look at 
this particular family say, oh, they just got it all worked out. They just got it perfect. It's just perfect. Let me tell you something. There's no such thing as a perfect family. Every single family under the sound of my voice has got something that they messed up. Some have messed up as husbands. Some have messed up as wives. Some have messed up as children. Some have messed up as parents. And let me just say this too. Let me do a little time out. You know how I usually confess to you? I'm not going to confess on this stuff, okay? <laughs> I'm going to try to keep it as... And I don't want y'all telling either, okay? It's about my children are nodding over there when he says he messed up his parents. Yeah, he messed up his parents. We're not going there, okay? This is not about me. It's about... Anyway, it's about the Lord. But here's the point. In some way, at some point, you and I have or will get it wrong. And by the way, that's the point of all that's gone before us in this chapter about mortifying members and putting off anger and wrath and malice and so forth and putting on the new man and covering it all with a mantle of charity. Okay? And here's the other thing. Every single one of us needs this message. Every single one of us needs these teachings from the Apostle Paul here, through the Lord, through the Apostle Paul. Whatever our circumstances are today, wherever our lives have taken us, wherever our future plans, we all need this message. Every single person under the sound of my voice, including yours truly, needs to learn about what a Christian home should look like, whether you're eight years old or 80 years old. It does not matter. Are you an adult child? Well, you need to know how to treat your parents. Are you a little child? You need to know how to treat your parents. Are you a divorced mom? You need to know how to teach your children. Are you a middle-aged dad? You need to know how to help your teenager. Are you a brand new parent? You need to know how to raise your baby. Are you a single parent? You need to know what to do and how to teach them from the scriptures. See, every circumstance. Are you not married at all? Are you uh, uh, not expecting to marry? You need to know what the Bible says so you can teach those younger ones, those other ones, what the scriptures have to say. So, the other thing I want to say is this. Just remember that what the Word of God is doing here is not targeting anybody, okay? It's not singling anybody out. In a sense, it is speaking to all of us and what I'm preaching to you is not about condemning you or me for not living a perfect life or for not having a perfect family because nobody has that. So you're going to hear things, for example, like we're going to, today we're going to talk about how much God hates divorce. Okay? And I understand we're all in some way touched by divorce. But we need to know what God thinks about it in order for now not the past. See, this isn't about condemning the past. This is about where we are right now and what we're going to do today and tomorrow and the next day. So, there's no every word that I'm going to try to preach to you will be preached in an effort to simply tell us what God says about the family. See, there's a reason, as I've already said, that Paul engaged in Colossians 3 and all this talk about forgiveness and love and long-suffering before he begins to meddle <laughs> in the very place where we live every day. I, I just, we, we don't ever need to forget this. 
We don't ever need to forget that what God does in dealing with his children, he's a, such a better daddy than me. You know, sometimes my children, I, will, I guess I am confessing, my children will tell you that I like to make points. I like to, I like to be the I told you so guy. I like to look at them and say, well, that didn't work out too good for you, did, did it? And if you just listened to me, it would have been better, right? You know, that's the way I like to do things sometimes. I'm so glad God's not there. You know what God's in the business of? God is in the business of binding up the broken lives. He doesn't banish them. He binds them up. Grace is about second and third and fourth and tenth and 25th and 99th chances, you see. That's what grace is all about. And that's what we're here about. We're here about today. You know, he's the great I am, not the great I was. You say, preacher, I didn't get things just right in the past. Well, that's okay. That's in the past. Where are you today? I am, God said. Where are you today and where are you going? So let's, let's talk about this. Now, here, here's, here's the other thing that I want to lay as a preliminary groundwork about the family. Every single one of us needs to realize that the family is under attack today. The world today has a generally negative view of marriage and family, but it's not just that old negative view of marriage and family. You remember the old saying, that's the old, the old ball and chain, you know, the old, uh, you know, I'm, I'm tied down now, you've lost your freedom. A lot of times they, you know, leading up to my wedding, my friends would tell me, you're about to lose your freedom, you're still a free man, <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. Yeah, I've shared the story with you before about the, uh, the preacher that asked the little girl. The little girl came into church and said uh, she'd been to see the movie Cinderella. And uh, the preacher said, yeah, I, I know a little bit about that, that movie. Uh, I, I heard that they lived happily ever after. And the little girl said, oh, no, they got married. <laughs> so, you know, you know I, I, I looked up, I got to thinking about some of these things, but... Uh, I, 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 was, I just decided to do a Google search of negative comments about marriage. Here's one I found. I never knew what real happiness was until I got married, and then it was too late. <laughs> okay? I heard this one, too. I saw this one online. Marriage is a three-ring circus. Engagement ring, wedding ring, and suffering. Now, that's out there on the Internet, okay? That's out there. Now, look, we're la I laugh about that, and I'm, I'm certainly, uh, that's okay. But in general, is it not true that there's just a negative attitude towards marriage? But, but it's worse than that now. It's not just those old negative attitudes. And I know most of the time we're kidding when we say things like that. But does society not subtly influence us against marriage? Think about the peer pressure out there. Especially today, when nobody puts a premium on getting married. It's shacking up. It's moving in together. Let's try it out, and then we'll see if it works out, you see. That peer pressure's out there. But think about, listen, it's worse than that, though. I want you to think about this. Think about when I was coming up. When I was coming up, I played football. That's the only sport I played, okay? The way we dealt with the football season is leading up, and I'm not complaining about the way they do it now, but I'm, I'm just pointing out a truth, okay? The way we dealt with getting ready for the football season is we would run a little bit and we, we had to go work out 10 or 15 times, but it was no organized, nothing organized like that, you know, during the summer. 
And then we'd start with two a day sometime the end of July, okay? Not long after I graduated high school, that changed. Football and sports became a year-round thing. Two workouts a day every summer. Two workouts every day you know, in the fall. They, I mean, it was just a constant thing. And think about the other sports activities that pull families away from home. Uh, little, league, little League Baseball. We, all our kids engaged in it. But I tell you, we loved it. We enjoyed it. But it, it, we did it as a family. You can, you can do it in a way that keeps your family tied together. But generally speaking, now it's a year-round thing, and it's pulling families apart. It's pulling families. One's going one way. One's going another way. You see, just these activities that pull us away from home and church and the kingdom of God. Think about the economic pressures that that require many mothers to work that, that in years past might not have required that. Think about the governmental pressures that we have out there, tax penalties for married couples. That, that just blows my mind that there would be tax penalties for married couples. What about the religious pressures? What about modern day Sunday schools, age segregated groups in church? Now they may mean well, but in fact, they keep families apart even in the worship service. One of the reasons we don't do that is we believe in families worshiping together. Some of these subtle influences would just kind of pull us away. What about the work pressures? I've experienced that many times where I felt like I just had to be at work all the time and had no time as a father and a leader of my household to spend time with my family. And if I wanted to today, I could never be there and always be at work. But you know, it's worse than the subtle attacks. There are cultural attacks. The culture outright attacks families today. Humanism and, humanism and evolution is taught in all the schools. Our colleges and universities are filled with woke culture that is teaching our children uh, untruths about family and guiding them away from that. Marriage has been redefined as something other than between a man and a woman. In fact, it is the law of our land today. What about the transgender movement? What about this gender fluidity and this idea that family's really not important anymore? Yes, I think we can all agree that the family, as God set it forth, has been, is under attack as never before. So, let's talk about family just a little bit. I don't know how far we'll get today, but hopefully we'll get a good ways down through this introduction so we can move into the details of husbands and wives and children uh, next time. What about the family? What about, we mentioned divorce. What about divorce and the significance of the family? Let's just think about our own view of divorce and family, first of all. Now, nobody I know ever said, I'm so excited about my wedding day because that's just one step closer to divorce, did they? <laughs> Nobody says that, right? Because that's a problem. Everybody I've ever known who went through it, either themselves or with family members that were close, and we've been there. No one who's ever experienced it has ever said, man, that was just a great time. <laughs> It was always one of the hardest times of their lives. You know, divorce is a problem financially, right? I, you know, Louis Grizzard, who is the great Southern philosopher who died back in the 90s, one of my favorite 
speakers. I saw him several times uh, on stage uh, when he was speaking. He wrote several books. This is what Louis Grizzard said about marriage. Another little negative attitude here in divorce. He said, instead of getting married again, I'm just going to find a woman I don't like and buy her a home. <laughs> now, that's funny, but think about the financial aspects of it. There's a cartoon, uh, I believe it was in the New York Times, where this one guy was talking to another guy. He said, you know, it was about as even a divorce settlement as you could hope for. Both lawyers got $50,000. <laughs> you know, there's some truth to that. There's, some, there's issues that, that envelop divorce that, that are just problems. Just forgetting, you know, forget about Scripture for a moment. Nobody enjoys that. Nobody, it's never a pleasant experience. It's always, in most cases, one of the most excruciating experiences that anybody's ever gone through. But there are some scriptures that even talk about that. Look over in Proverbs just for a minute. We say, we kid about the financial aspects of divorce. But in the warnings in chapter 5 of Proverbs against the strange woman, warning the young man about going after the strange woman, he starts out uh, telling the young man, My son, attend unto my wisdom and bow thine ear to my understanding that thou mayest regard discretion and that thy lips may keep knowledge. And he goes immediately from there into the problems you run into with the strange woman. Now, the strange woman is not some weird lady, okay? The strange woman is just someone who is strange to you, foreign to you. The idea is it's not your wife. That's what the strange woman is. And you young ladies, it can be the strange man. It can be the strange man, see? So it's the one who's not your spouse, and it says, the lips of a strange woman drop as a honeycomb, and her mouth is smoother than oil. It sounds so good at the beginning. But her end, or his end, depending on whether it's the strange man or the strange woman, is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death, her steps take hold on hell. And he goes on to talk about how unstable she is and kind of keeps you off guard, lest thou shouldest ponder the path of life. And, you know, in other words, before you can really start thinking about what you're doing, her ways are movable, that thou canst not know them. You know, it's jumping around here and there to kind of keep you off track and to keep you from focusing upon the things of God. Now, look at, look at these verses. Now, this is what I wanted to point out to you. In verse 7, he says, Hear me now, therefore, O ye children, and depart not from the words of my mouth. Remove thy way far from her, and come not nigh the door of her house, lest thou give thine honor unto others, and thy years unto the cruel. Now, let me just stop there. We, we could name names of fairly uh, prominent figures, one or two that come to my mind right now, in our very state here, who, uh, who have experienced this giving their honor to others by doing foolish things, uh, foolishly falling for a woman who is not his wife or a man who was not her husband, but you can think of those examples in your own mind, giving their honor to others. Some, someone in particular comes to my mind who is really highly esteemed in my mind, and, and after uh, he did what he did, I realized that you know, it, was, it was disappointing. But now notice verse 10. This is what I really want to get to. Lest strangers be filled with thy wealth and thy labors be in the house of a stranger. You know what that's talking about? That's talking about lawyers, <laughs> partly at least. When you have the experience of going through a divorce, you're going to give 
some of your wealth to some lawyer somewhere that you wouldn't otherwise have to spend, you see. See, there's financial problems with divorce. There's emotional problems. Emotionally, as I've already said, you ask every, anyone who's ever experienced it, it's one of the most difficult times of their lives. It's hard on the person. If there was infidelity in the marriage, there's a feeling of betrayal that just can't be overcome. If you were the one that was unfaithful, there's a feeling of guilt as a child of God that will always be there. And regardless of fault, there's a loss of companionship. Even if there's a situation where there was abuse and the leaving was justified, the emotional toll is tremendous. And by the way, let me just throw out this caveat out there, especially to you young ladies, but it can also apply to you young men that I've, I've dealt with many, many cases and situations as a prosecutor involving domestic violence. And you need to remember that if there's violence in the marriage, you need to get out away from that person. You can deal with the issues of divorce and remarriage later on, but you need to keep yourself safe. It's hard on the person who goes through it. It's hard on the rest of the family, children, parents, siblings, and even an amicable divorce leaves many people jaded and cynical about love and marriage. I think that's why we have such cynicism in our world today is because there's so many problems in families. Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here. But please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismccool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.